0: Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com
1: The great state of Ohio is home to some of the best outdoor experiences anywhere in the country. The O2 Podcast is your source for everything hunting, fishing, hiking, and outdoors-related. Paul and Andrew will take you through the seasons of your below-average outdoor Ohio outdoorsman, while bringing in the real experts to dive deep into your favorite outdoor topics. Finding time in today's world to enjoy the outdoors can be challenging. Let us guide you
2: through all things Ohio outdoors. The O2 Podcast is brought to you by Go Wild. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like us. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gears, reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too. Such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin, Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you unlock 10 bucks just for trying it out. Visit go wild time to, go to get started.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Tonight, it's Andrew and Paul. We are catching up. We got a lot to talk about. Well, Paul has a lot to talk about, so... Um, Let's see, Paul. What have you been up to?
2: Oh man! Oh, there it is. If I could, if I could gobble with my mouth, I, <laughs> that sounds That's really funny I, now that I say it out loud. But if I could gobble, I. <laughs> you've been you've been I down do
1: in, you've been down at the conference, and I sit in my truck in my house <laughs> and just uh, pretend that I know what I'm doing with a turkey call. So.
2: Oh yeah, I just got back from Nashville, the uh, 2020, 2022. jeez. NWTF convention sports show i'll tell you what months it wrecked me today like yesterday so my 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 family my my wife and kids came down on thursday night which was really nice that's cool Uh, and she drove home i dropped my rental car off in nashville and she had to drive home i was a mess on sunday i didn't remember the drive i I fell asleep for like three hours i woke up and we were (laughs) we were in cincinnati So, but man, it was, it was a good time. It was my first time down there. I've been supporting NWTF for years, had never taken the plunge to go down. And it is a spectacle. I mean, we've been to some trade shows, you know, green industry shows, superintendent shows, turf grass shows, Gaos ATA. This was insane. And I mean, part of that's because I'm a turkey hunter through and through. I love the sound of a hen yell. Let, 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 let's hear it. Been practicing I, on that I, call. I put,
1: I put it away. I'm not going to embarrass myself. Put it away. We'll 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 do it later. Yeah, we're not going to embarrass. But, I'm not going to embarrass myself anymore tonight. So.
2: so I I walk into this place, into this exhibit hall, and there's like five, 600 booths, whatever it is, and dude, half of them are selling turkey calls. So I'm in heaven. Because some of them are like the big names, you know, you know Woodhaven and Primos and and um, every call maker that, that that you can think of is there. And then there's the guys that that I like that made them in a double wide trailer in the holler in Kentucky, and they're selling them. I'm like, hey, let's let's be friends. I bought like these strikers from some dude that just like just like turns them in his garage, and they were amazing. I bought I bought two of them, couldn't resist it. I I have I don't know, probably 15 strikers. I don't need them but it's my thing. So, but man, there, there are Turkey Yelps, and cutting and Kiki's. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful sound. So one of the, one of the best events. And I, I had, I had events scheduled for my job from, I mean, like 7am until midnight, like three nights in a row, four nights in a row. So I I didn't have much free time, but the few times that I did, I went in and saw, uh, I watched the grand national calling competition show and so the the best one that I got to watch was the gobbling competition so these guys are using mouth calls and they are gobbling I mean it is amazing so they have like these little cones they have like a mouth like a like a mouth call and they gobble it is the best thing I've ever seen in my life one guy comes out dressed like a turkey so you remember my 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 bear costume from the from Halloween
1: how could I forget it
2: Oh, it was amazing. Uh he had one of those and it was a turkey. Like had a fan on, had a beard like on his chest. Oh, it was good. And he was gobbling, walking around, strutting around. So it was really good. I watched some kids, uh, the kids' friction uh section. And man, the I mean these kids are like eight, nine, ten years old. And and a girl won it. Um, I think her name's Addie. Good for her. Um man, they are so good. And, I, and I'm like, it's like an eight year old boy. He's working this box call. And I'm just like, what have I done with my life as a, as a Turkey hunter? You know, I'm, I'm 40 years old and this kid is just amazing.
1: Paul, don't worry about you. Now it's time to worry about the girls. Let's get them. Yeah, let's get them. Exactly. Lined up. They've
2: got a bright future for Turkey calling. So, but no, it was great, man. I got to meet all of my new coworkers. Um, I got to meet people, um, that that, uh, that I'm going to be working with in the NWTF, the donors to the NWTF, the biologists. I mean, it's just, it was just really neat. I got to, I, I had a, a very short conversation with Dave Owens. That guy's like turkey, honey royalty. And so I just wrote by, waved at him. And he's like, ah, come over here. And uh, we, we talked for literally like maybe 30 seconds and then moved on. Scott Ellis who's coming up, had a nice conversation with him. Kind Strickland, which I, I sent you that picture. I was in the back of the Mossy Oak reel some guy was trying to sell me a turkey vest i was waiting around to talk to cut strickland that was pretty that it, that, that, that guy was, was super nice that was funny yeah it was good you see my big fat ball head it's, it's, in the background i showed
1: so. i, showed, I showed, showed it to my wife and i'm like yeah paul made this real and she's like watching it watching it watching it and she she, and she i say he's right there like you don't see his yeah. big bald head like <laughs> right there it's right <laughs> oh yeah there he is <laughs> She yeah, was like waiting see for you to like come on and to... be interviewed or something.
2: No, no, no. When I sent you that message, I made the reel. I was in the real. Just no one talked to me. So no, Oak was cool. It was just a it was a great event, man. Um if you turkey hunt, if you if you like to turkey hunt, I take the trip. I mean, it's a six hour drive from Central Ohio. Totally worth it. So it was an absolute blast. Nashville's a fun place to be too. So I didn't see any of it. I saw literally none. Of it. I, I I drove.
1: Well, you missed Columbus. out, Paul.
2: You missed out. All, all of it. I didn't go downtown. I was inside of the Gaylord Opryland Resort the entire time. There was one day it was like seventy degrees, beautiful sunshine. Didn't step foot outside. Missed all of it. So my kids went down. And they had like this. The Opryland Hotel has this like four acre uh, like indoor water park. They spent the entire day there. I worked from 6 a.m. until one o'clock in the morning the following day. And they had a blast. So it was good, man. It was, it was, it was great. I met a ton of people, a lot of guys from Ohio. The NWTF chapter, uh, state chapter and the local bank or the local chapters here in the state are really strong. I mean, we've got a lot of really good volunteers in the state that that uh, that do a ton of work. They put a ton of effort in. I mean they donated a hundred thousand dollars just to buy a, you know, 1200 acres, 1300 acres property in the state. That doesn't happen all the time. And that, and that's the state chapter. That's the guys that donate, that live in the state of Ohio, that donate to the state chapter, the NWTF, man, that's good work. So real, real proud to be a part of that. Proud to meet those people. So
1: good. Well, that sounds like you had a blast. So let's see. What else? My wife had to
2: talk me off of buying every Turkey call that I saw. I mean, I, I, I I spent some money. I'm, you know, I'll say it. Really can't help myself. And there was this. there's so there's this call maker, William Lester. He's this like this legend in the trumpet turkey call world. And he had this this turkey call. It was like 500 bucks. And I walked by it like a dozen times. And I'm just like staring at it from afar. I didn't want to touch it. And he he like waves me over and he's like, hey, "You can you can try these out." I'm like, "No, I'm not I'm not touching those because I'm going to buy three of them." And I have to walk home because my wife's mo- <laughs> gonna leave me in Nashville for spending twelve hundred dollars in turkey calls. So I was gonna ask Luckily, I was it, gonna but, ask if you bought a couple of them. So. Oh god, I wanted to so bad, Monts. They were gorgeous, man. Absolutely gorgeous. And there's like a call making competition that like I could walk, you could walk around and look at the call making or the call makers and uh, like their entries. And then their guys just like they're like duck calls, goose calls, turkey calls, anything you can imagine and then there's a group of callers that just go and like try these calls out. Unbelievable the craftsmanship that these guys have. So I was in heaven, man. Turkey hunt hog heaven. That's awesome. So I got for that. I mean, that was I could talk about it all night if you really want me to, but No,
1: I uh I'm sure we'll talk more about it. I, I mean, I didn't talk to you all week, so I knew you were you were in deep. Uh, I got a couple text messages oh, yeah. here and there, but you were you were in deep so i figured i'll just let him play it was
2: great yep it was great saw chris jansen in concert that was pretty cool that's the buy me a boat guy yeah buy me a boat guy big turkey hunter super Mm -hmm. cool guy so
1: nice well it didn't nothing exciting in my world uh it rained a lot and uh this freeze thawness Uh, i was going to try to get out shed hunt the one day but the the ground is just it was a mess i i Don't want to make excuses because I probably could have found some time, but and then work is picking up like insane. So,
2: oh, yeah, you're about to get smacked in the face.
1: Yeah, might this might be the Paul podcast for the next three months, but
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just get on and drink four four beers for (laughs) 30 minutes and just talk about turkey hunting. I want to listen to that.
1: (laughs) Well, that's it's turkey season, you'll be good. So, um, yeah. No, but realistically, uh, we did have we did have a, a meeting. This isn't really out. Well, it's kind of outdoors related with the all the guys from the sportsman's nation network and
2: which is the network our show is on. Correct. correct. No one
1: Dan Johnson's uh, little gig. It's turning into quite the large gig. But that I was that it. was really cool, man. Like it was you hear all these guys talking on the podcast and. We know a few of them, but not, not all of them. So to get everybody on like one, uh, screen and chatting and going over some, you know, just how to do a recording and how to use hashtags and stuff like that in your post. But it was, it was really, it was neat and, uh, excited because moving forward, this thing is like the whole, the whole network is just exploded, but we will, uh, hopefully continue to grow with that as we move
2: forward. So today is what Monday, Thursday, we're getting all those guys from the sports nation on a zoom call. And we're doing, we couldn't get them all. We got, we have a handful of them. Um, That's all right. We got some big personalities coming on to do, to do the zoom round table about hunting, wrapping up deer season, future plans it's going to be cool it's going to be that's going to be the ultimate bs session yeah the ultimate bs session so it'll be fun yeah, yeah it's going to be get some good 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 personalities coming on that one so
1: um besides that paul i don't have a whole lot like in the news world they we've got we talked about it last time the the proposals that are being presented to the ohio wildlife council and we're going to have more on that in an upcoming show um yeah. So I don't want to try to even dive into that at the moment, but
2: let's see. Yeah. I don't know what um, the open season is coming up mid-March, Florida, Turkey hunting. If anyone is interested, I believe starts March 5th. Um, if you get, uh, if you get real desperate, go chase some Osceola's down in the state of Florida. would be cool.
1: Yeah. So but. besides that though, you know, I think, uh, well, for tonight's episode, we, uh, we got to talk to Dr. Timothy McDermott from the Ohio state university and, uh, he's a tick, he's the tick dude. So this is the tick talk, not tick tock, but the tick talk, uh, I had, you know, just, talk.
2: To, just should we put a tick tock on tock he uh, goes.
1: Dan Johnson told me that I need to do TikTok, And I said, I don't need that drug in my life. Okay. I got enough other things that take up time. I do not need that. (laughs) So don't anybody expect that anytime soon. But Tim, Dr. Dr. McDermott is the tick expert. He's got some really good stuff in there. This isn't one of our longer episodes. I think it's only about a half hour discussion with him. So if you, but he covers some really important topics in there and, uh, tries to put some of the myths to sleep uh, on, on ticks. This is an ever-changing topic. And as you'll hear, we went from having one or two ticks in Ohio to now five, uh, which along with the five comes new species, five species, five species of ticks. right? Um, new diseases and things like that. So it's one of those things to be really cognizant of when you're out in the woods. Don't brush this off. This isn't, this isn't, Something to screw around with. um If you, you or anybody you know that has Lyme disease, it's not something that just you take some medicine and goes away. I think it's you know kind of a long term fight there. Uh, that can make other things you know unfun. You got the one that alpha gal syndrome that keeps you from eating red meat. I mean, we go out to hunt deer and then you come back and you can't eat the deer. Like that sounds miserable. So I'll tell you
2: what. I I sat through a lecture with with Doctor McDermott. I don't know, probably ten years ago five years ago something i don't even know i left that lecture in a panic like ticks are some scary bastards and and no one likes ticks because they're kind of gross but you just like you brush it off you're like it's not a big deal dude ticks are intense man i mean he talked about like a tick and and i don't know because i wasn't on this on this uh this talk but about like some species like lone star tick or something like that does he go into that on this episode yeah yeah they're 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 terrifying yeah absolutely terrifying and so you know it's
1: one of those uh they talk about using permethrin treated clothing and i thought this was a huge help for me last year Uh, i was out in a lot in the woods never had any issues being bitten that i know of um i've had them on me but I actually didn't have them on me till deer season when I was not using the permethrin treated clothes because I thought it was too cold for him, which is another myth. But, uh, the one thing, you know, using that clothing with the, the treatment, it stinks. So when you initially spray your clothes, I mean, the permethrin has this strong odor to it and I would be no, no way I'm spraying that on my deer clothes. But in Turkey season, it wasn't as big of a deal. The scent does, the smell does go away. Um, It doesn't take that long at least the overwhelming (laughs) smell maybe the animals can still smell it but uh, that was something that i think is a huge that's a huge tool in your kit to stay out of the out of the tick
2: woods i hate those things i went looking for mushrooms a couple years ago with my son and he was probably like 10 and we went to a metro park in columbus and we found a couple mushrooms but we walked out and he's like "Dad, i got ticks on me and i look at him he had probably like 30 ticks on him and then i find 30 i am like we're in the parking lot stripping out of our clothes because there are ticks all over us it was it was awful so yeah this is this is going to be a good episode i think
1: and it was me flying solo so paul as you listen you'll be able to learn uh, some more about the ticks so, as well so,
2: but can't wait
1: i mean, i think that's all we got let's see go wild those yep. are those are our dudes, right? Um Hello. we all talk about the censorship and whatnot. They are uh they're your, your answer to the censorship. They're your answer to posting pictures without feeling like somebody's watching over you and gonna, you know, send you one of those messages that you're going to jail. Facebook jail. Uh but they're they're big in the social media, social commercing world. They've got their store on there. Those guys are really moving and grooving. So if you guys are not on go wild, I would highly suggest that you take a look at that. Uh, it's time to go is the website, or they're in the app store, uh, all that kind of stuff. So we also we do when we're on go wild, it's O2 Podcast. Find us. Yeah, Paul's on there. I'm on there. Just use the O2 Podcast for me though and um, we've got the instagram, which is the dot I'm actually having some really good interactions with listeners you're giving us some ideas and and thoughts and and different things so uh, stay keep doing that we we appreciate it you're bringing yeah you thanks up. for listening
2: i mean <laughs> it's it never it never amazes, it never ceases to amaze me man i I, I love interacting with you guys and, and, I, and I know we both really appreciate everyone that uh, that listens to this show and uh, and keeps coming back we're, we're just trying to make it make it fun make it better get better at what we do and uh entertain you guys so that's it yep feel free to drop us a review Paul
1: your Twitter is at Ohio hunt we got the website it's the 2 podcast.com we see uh, also go listen to the other guys on the network. If you don't already, there are some great uh, other great hosts out there. that are having wonderful interviews with lots of things to learn and, and just keep you entertained here as we move into, man, it's almost March, Paul. We are almost to uh, March. It's coming. It's crazy. Turkey gobbling and no time. You got it. So, uh, that's all we got. So everybody have a great week and we will talk to you next time. See you guys. Take care. Welcome back, everybody, to the O2 podcast. Today, it's just Andrew. Paul is off on uh, assignment elsewhere, but the uh, we are very honored to have. Uh, is it Doctor Doctor? Yes, mm-hmm. Doctor Timothy McDermott from the Ohio State University. Uh, doctor McDermott, do you want to go ahead and give everybody a little bit of background on your well, your background and and uh, what makes you an expert on on the ticks?
3: so um thanks andrew for first offer inviting me onto the podcast and to give me an opportunity to talk about how we can all become a little bit more tick safe since we're having some, uh, some some definite increases in what's going on in the world of ticks here in Ohio. So I am a 1996 graduate of the Ohio State University College of Veterinary Medicine, and I practiced for 20 years in Franklin County in companion animal medicine. And then about five, six years ago, I started working part-time for extension, Transitioned to full time four years ago. And one of the things that I discovered uh, early in my extension career was that while as a veterinarian, we spent a great deal of every day talking about ticks and other critters that would, you know, cause problems in animals, fleas and mosquitoes that can vector heartworm disease, all of those things. There was not as much of an emphasis on public health outreach on the dangers of ticks and tick vector disease. And so I started developing some materials and sharing them uh, both to my county client resident audiences and then to other county um county uh, residents on behalf of my colleagues and and working with our pesticide safety groups and 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 basically that little side hustle has blown up because unfortunately, 20 years ago, we had one medically important tick to humans, companion animals and livestock here in Ohio. but now we have five and we added two of them definitively just in the last couple of years. And so we really wanna spread the word uh, here at Extension out to all Ohioans on how they can keep themselves tick safe because it's a whole different ball game out there now.
1: Uh, and Dr. McDermott, I, I saw you at uh, one of the conferences for my real job. Um, and when I sit there and I hear about ticks, it's one of those things for me growing up as a kid, you know, if it was kind of um, you didn't have them as much. Now, that wasn't as long ago as, as it seems like it was, what, 20, 30 years ago. But the, you know, if you got a tick, it was like the end of the world, right? And nobody, I remember going to camp one year and it was like, everybody got this huge talk about ticks and ticks and ticks and now it's almost, they're a lot more commonplace. And I, um, or maybe it's just being out in the woods more. I don't know. I don't feel like, I feel like they're there a lot more, but we're maybe a little bit more aware of them at least for the most part. So, but when I get to hear your talk, I'm like, Oh, this is great. We have to get more of this content out there because I still think there's a ton of questions. We kind of have an idea of what they are and that they're going to be around but it never fails as far as what kind there are, what diseases they transmit, how long they have to be engorged in you, uh, the temperatures that they're active in. There's so many questions I think that people, and myths that people have out there, how to remove them, that's a big one, right? Everybody's got a little bit of a different way to remove them, but, so that's some some of the stuff that we wanna talk about today. Um, I guess the first thing, whenever we have a problem, uh, is is the identification process, right? We need to figure out what we're fighting. and, and and when i'm out there looking at a lawn or something it's trying to figure out what weed and then trying to figure out the the solution to take care of that weed or disease or whatever. So, do you want to give us a quick rundown of some of the, of the five ticks? We don't need to go nearly as in depth as you did in the in the conference, but um just to be have people have an awareness of which of the five that we have.
3: You bet. Yeah, and and like you, i grew up in the woods. Um and we would get ticks and they were gross and and you pulled them off um You know, my wife was telling me that, because she grew up with woods behind her house too, her mom would heat up a sewing needle with a lighter and stick it on the end of the tick to kill it, which makes me cringe now because it would actually potentially make everything worse. But uh, the original one that we had here in Ohio going back 20 years or longer, that's when I um, dealt with for the majority of my private practice career was the American dog tick. We still have that tick around. Um, All ticks vector any number of diseases if they're carrying them in there that could be bacterial, viral, protozoal, they can actually even um, cause an allergic syndrome in some cases depending on the tick or the host. The American dog tick is a tick that spends majority of its time in more of an open setting, pasture, meadow, um, even just a backyard lawn and it's known for vectoring among other things rocky mountain spotted fever. And then number two tick that came into Ohio and it was first discovered in Coshocton county in 2010 is the black legged tick also known as the deer tick. And that's a that's a real baddie. To be honest with you that one I think is the most worrisome one to me. That is a ready um vector uh tick for Lyme disease, which is a devastating uh, multi-systemic disease of humans, Um, dogs can get it, horses can get it, and even in rare cases cats can get it. That is a tick that is a little bit more of a woods preferential tick and It will feed on multiple hosts but it is best known for being on deer and then the third tick that we had here in Ohio came just a few years after that although we don't know exactly when and that's the lone star tick and the lone star tick is uh sort of like the deer tick but a more aggressive feeder on multiple species including humans it's also a woods preferential tick that is a tick that um has a really horrible associated allergy with it and, and what that means is is there are some chemical components in the saliva of the lone star tick that have some similarities to carbohydrates and non-primate mammalian muscle and in the un- fortunate individual that would react negatively to that you could develop an allergy to non-primate mammalian muscle which means that you would potentially be allergic to things like beef or pork or venison or lamb. And that is um, that is the real thing. I, I know people that have that and they no longer can eat those foods um, without having allergy symptoms, sometimes severe. So that is a tick that can cause a bacon cheeseburger allergy, which is horrible to me, uh, as that is my very favorite food of them all. So then in 2020, um we got word of a tick that has been marching its way this way uh it's not an invasive it's just expanded its host range and and that's what we're seeing with a lot of these ticks is they're expanding their host ranges and that's why we have them here and and you know that is driven by any number of things animal migrations climate change um animal species numbers animals having a closer interaction with humans because of uh, various habitat changes. But the Gulf Coast tick has been working its way up from its normal habitat, the Gulf Coast, and then it uh, kind of has been marching up the Mississippi River and then the Ohio River. And it's been seen here in the past, but we had definitively found established colonies, mostly in the uh, counties around Cincinnati. And so that was sort of 2020-2021 when that happened. And we'll look for that to expand further. Um, that is a tick that does vector diseases to humans companion, companion animals and livestock. Um, and it is a tick that does a little better, sort of like the American dog tick, in terms of being able to withstand a little bit more heat and a little bit more sunlight so it can go into a little bit more open habitat. Then the number five tick that we recently found and that was a colleague of mine at Ohio State, Risa Pesapane. she was in a grant funded program where she was getting ticks that had been taken off of rescue dogs throughout the state that were sent to her for identification. And one of the ticks that came off of a dog from Gallia County was definitively identified as the Asian longhorn tick. So the history of that tick is it's a true invasive. It is from East Asia and it was first found in I guess first definitively found in 2017 on a farm in New Jersey and they don't know how it got to that farm Um, and from that point it has spread pretty vigorously it is now in multiple states, I want to say 17 states now. Uh, It was found first in Gallia County and uh, it's been found in a couple other counties in Ohio and so that's a real worry and some tick for us because we, we we find that with all the ticks that I talked about, we find new things all the time. And we are not where we need to be in terms of research for ticks, but we're changing that. And we're doing more research and collecting more data because what we're finding is that each of these ticks don't have, um, it's, it's not the same across all the, the way. Like the original thought was that you had at least 24 hours to get a tick off of you if it has if it's carrying a disease and it embeds in you and starts feeding, and that's based on data collected regarding Lyme disease from black-legged ticks. But what we're finding with all these ticks is that's not true for all diseases, all tick species, or even in the life stages of the various ticks, and there could be much faster disease transmission depending on any of those variables. And so what we're what we're doing research on now, and we're, we're finding some worrisome results, is what can the East, what can the Asian longhorn tick vector over here? Because in its native host range, it can vector some pretty miserable stuff. And we need to find out, you know, we have any number of tick vector diseases here, bacterial, viral, all of those things. But what can survive in the tick? What would it effectively be able to vector to different hosts? Um, we know it can vector some diseases over here already. It, um, it has been a link to being able to vector thyleria, which causes thylitis in cattle and um, we're finding out that uh, we are doing some testing on ticks and there's research that's going to be coming out about that soon uh, regarding some of the other diseases we have here that other ticks vector that we're worried that this tick is going to be able to vector
1: wow that's just so enlightening and i'm so positive and and excited to go back out in the woods right right (laughs) but the real quick on that um lone star tick that's the one with the alpha gall Yes, that's that's an interesting one to me. I think I find it ironic um, that that's something as a hunter you have to worry about as you're going out to hunt red meat, you might pick up something that would keep you from eating red meat.
3: Well, and a really horrible thing is. Lone Star ticks right now uh, are in the highest numbers in wooded counties, especially the counties that are uh, Southern Ohio and extend around the Ohio border heading up towards towards, the Pennsylvania border and West Virginia border, and then all the way down to Cincinnati. And those are counties where we graze a lot of cattle. And I'm getting a lot of reports of cattlemen that have gotten an allergy to beef, and that is their primary livelihood. Um, so they 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 can't eat beef, um, even though they're beef farmers.
1: That um, is very, that's very scary to me. But the, now I think I heard one time that, and here we go with the myths and rumors. If you get that, and then you go about six months without eating any red meat, it can kind of maybe keep that allergy down and out or is that not not a thing
3: well, I mean, if, if you if you cut uh, that that meat out of your diet, you're not going to have the allergy symptoms. Uh, I think that they have not completely figured out. And it's probably got a lot of variability depending on the the person that's affected. Uh, one thing I found when, when I practice medicine is the immune system is a very difficult to understand thing, and it is individual to uh, individual people. It's, it's not reliable across lots of different things. The weird and worrisome thing about alpha gal is there are reports of people getting that allergy in areas including overseas where they don't have lone star ticks and so the thought is there might be um, other ticks that can um, induce that allergy depending on how a host would react to uh, a tick embedding in them and feeding
1: is it is it i know we're talking about ticks but is it something that maybe mosquitoes or another type of you know vector insect could could spread as well?
3: I haven't seen any data that would support that and that would be unlikely um, just due to the the similarities of the carbohydrates in the tick as compared to different things that way. So um, not that I know of and I would suspect not just Mm -hmm. because of of how different they are. Um, But hopefully that doesn't happen because that would be horrible, uh, even more horrible than everything that we continually find out about ticks.
1: Right. Yes. And the, the idea of, of things spreading, I think over the last couple of years, we've all become very aware of how uh, things can be contagious, right. With COVID and, and different things like that. So um, just adding more, more to our plate there, as far as worrying about that, uh, when it comes to the identification process, if you were to pick up a tick or uh, your kids, your dog, whatever, what is the best method to identify that? Um
3: so, depending on where you're located, um, you could you could contact your extension agent. Uh, we have an office in all 88 counties. Um, it's also a good idea if you if you're looking to get it identified to contact your local public health department so that you could have samples sent into that. Uh, there's any number of different online places that ticks can be sent for identification. They're out there. There might be a fee associated with those. Um, but here in Ohio, you know. A, wouldn't be a bad idea to contact um your extension aid, your extension educator in your various counties if you want to get that identified, or at least they can get you information on where you might send it.
1: Okay. Yeah. And I don't think that's something to just screw around with. I know we all like to be Google experts and and you know start deciding there, but when you're when we're talking about different potential. Yeah, you know, diseases or, or sicknesses that you can get from this stuff. I, I would highly recommend that people uh, really take that seriously. Try to get that tick ID the right way instead of just doing it through Google. So,
3: well, and I'll tell you, Andrew, what when I do presentations about ticks, my thing that I stress is tick vector disease is a prevention disease. You don't want even one tick attaching and starting the feeding process. Not for the entire rest of your life. Try to do your best job to avoid that. Permethrin treated clothing, um, appropriate use of repellents, uh, making sure that you understand that you can encounter a tick in any habitat just about any day of the year and, and making sure that you do you know really thorough tick checks you're doing long pants when you're outside you are um, light colors are best so you can see them on you and make sure that when you come in from outside you you're doing that tick check and even you know toss the clothes in the dryer um, and just all the little things that you can do in order to collectively get to a point where you are not going to get any ticks biting you and attaching onto you because um, we we just don't want to have the risk of somebody actually getting a tick vector disease because diagnosis can be challenging treatment can be um, challenging uh, and the effects of some of these diseases can be devastating
1: absolutely so uh, let's. While we're kind of on the ticks themselves, do you want to talk a little bit about the life cycle? And I had mentioned in our podcast, I think I told you to um, down at the conference. I had been out, I was actually over in Pennsylvania and I walked through, I was hunting, um, walked through an area of just brush. It was gross, but um, I came out the other side and I pulled 10 ticks off of me. Uh, and that morning, I was at that morning or the day before, I think it had been about 24 degrees when we when we got up so in the back of my mind even being mildly educated in this like I was like oh 24 degrees those things they're out for the winter but then I pulled 10 of them off of me and I thought holy smokes and they were all different sizes it wasn't just adults or whatever it was like it looked like it was the middle of spring when I came out of that brushy area so can you talk a little bit about their life cycles and how that um, pertains to maybe to hunters more than anything?
3: Sure. Um, That's a great, that is a great point and a great question, because one of the things that I want to do when I go out to speak to various groups is address the myths that we have regarding ticks. And one of the myths is that they are only active in that spring, summer, warm weather period. And as you found out, they can be active uh, all throughout the year they might be a little less active at certain times of the year or more active at other times. And right now outside, uh, it's a deep freeze and covered with snow and ice. So I'd say activity is probably pretty low. But just two, three days ago, it was 50 plus degrees and sunny here. And I would say there would have been decent tick activity then. So we realize that ticks are active all year long. And when we look at how they move through their life cycle from the egg stage to a larval stage to nymphal to adult to laying eggs they will go through a two or even up to a three-year life cycle and that means that they're not going to be you know trying to go through that life cycle maturation really really rapidly and in fact if conditions are not right for them to feed or or you know to continue uh, maturing they will um they can go without feeding for a long time they can stay dormant uh, or hypobiotic for quite a bit of time uh to then emerge and start the feeding process
1: yes that's uh yeah that's uh that that was very surprising to me when i was out there and, and saw that so that was uh yeah So as we're talking about being out in the woods, well, we're coming up here, turkey season is going to start in April 23rd and the weather will be nice. And I'm looking here at the Ohio Ohio line fact sheet, you know, some things that you can do to uh, prevent ticks from being a problem, you know, avoid tall grass and stay on the path. Well, that's the exact opposite of what we do when it comes to trying to find turkeys. So um, what are some things that you were talking? I know you mentioned a little bit earlier, as far as the prevention and trying to keep the ticks from even getting on you to begin with. You mentioned the permethrin treated clothes and lighter colors and that kind of stuff. Can we just go over that again?
3: You bet. So when I talk about permethrin treated clothing, um, permethrin is a insecticide slash acaricide that bonds very well with fabric if you use permethrin labeled for fabric. And that's very, very important. Whenever we talk about any kind of pesticide, you need to read, understand, and follow the label. The label is the law. So you get permethrin treated clothing, you can either self-treat or you can purchase it. You'll find that if you need to get some permethrin treated clothing, just about any outfitter is going to sell that to you. Um, United States military uniforms have been permethrin treated for years. It bonds with fabric pretty well to the point where you can get multiple wearings and washings out of it before it would need to be treated again. In fact, uh, if you were to purchase it from a company, it probably has a recommended number of washings that would be on there. You can also self-treat. They, you know they sell permethrin that is for use to be applied to fabric and if you go online you'll see any number of different things that will describe that process to you and I like long pants um, they uh ideally you could even tape the um, seams where it's uh down meet your boots so you don't have anybody crawling up in there but the the idea is as soon as the ticks uh, try to attach through their questing behavior and, and that's how they hunt questing is They hold with their two back pair of legs and and then they're reaching kind of and trying to sense and grab prey as they go back with their front two pair of legs, um, which is just as a little segue, the, the reason they do that is they're actually closer, they're in closer to arachnids than um you know that's the that's where they are in terms of their morphology they are um, they are eight legged in their adult and their in their nymphal forms and then you want to pair that with repellents for your skin. Now there's a whole bunch of different repellents that are out there and again you have to be a label reader to figure out which one is going to be the best for your situation, because some have restrictions on. What age they can be applied to some are mixed with sunscreens um, some might have uh, labels where they can be you know applied every two hours or four hours or six hours or something like that, but that is. Um, that is for your skin, so the permethrin treatment is for the fabrics repellents are for your skin. And then, like I said, light colors work best to try to see them so you can get them off if they're persistent. Although that can be tricky because if you look at how small the um, nymphal forms of these ticks are, they are very, very tiny, but they can still attach feed and vector disease. And then you want to um, make sure that you address any of your companion animals that might be out there with you, which is uh, working with your vet to figure out what the best product is that fits in your budget that has efficacy against ticks. And there's lots of good choices out there for that. And then in the highly um, unlikely, if you go through all that, but potentially possible um, uh, tick attachment, you want to make sure that you familiarize yourself with the proper removal method for a tick. And there are a ton of myths out there. When I was in practice, I'd people would douse them in in diesel fuel and, and all kind of crazy things or or put a cigarette out on them. Uh, that's more likely to make it worse, actually, because then that tick would probably express its gut contents into you, um, which if it's carrying any disease, then you just made it a little bit more likely that you're going to contract that. The proper removal method would be to take either like a pointy tweezers or what is really great are these tick removal tools that are out there that are inexpensive. You need to get the entire tick out, which means you're going to take your tweezers or your tick tool, you got to get all the way down to where pooch the skin down a little bit, grasp it at the head and gently but firmly pull straight up because you wanna get the entirety of that tick out. You'll commonly find that it'll come with what looks like a big chunk of your skin, but but that's probably the glue plug that it used to try to make sure it stays embedded in you for the seven to 10 or longer time feeding period that the tick's on there. Then wash the site, wash your hands, save that tick um, for identification. Uh, and um, and then you cross your fingers. And I say that because that, that that's and I want to clarify that don't cross your fingers or do cross your fingers. But there are some places that you can submit ticks for testing to find out if they carry disease. Make sure that if you're going to submit ticks for testing, you pick one of the research universities that would take samples in order to do that. And then if you if you had a tick on you, you might want to contact your healthcare. Um, provider, because uh, the chances of ticks carrying disease now are are pretty significant. Quite honestly, there's a very high percentage chance that ticks in Ohio are going to have disease in there, um, and and you want to make sure you loop your your medical professionals in so that they can give you guidance. So, and I I can vouch for the permethrin
1: treated clothing. Last year, when I was out in the turkey season, I had sprayed my clothes down really well. Um, I ticks are one of those things that make me a little bit uneasy. So I did try not to mess around with that. And I knock on wood at that time did not have one tick on me. Now I told you about the, the fall, but that was different. Like I, again, I thought it was way, way too cold for him, but um, that spring treatment, I was good. And now the, one of the people I was with, he had multiple ticks on his, in his clothes. And I mean, you're sitting right there and I get it. You can't, it's not exactly the same spot, but, um, he did not treat his clothes. So to me that, that really did make a huge difference. It's not expensive. It's uh, smells a little funny at first, but that really dissipates quickly. Um, So that I would, I would definitely agree that that's a huge, huge uh, tool in your toolkit for keeping these things under control. But like you said, just to reemphasize, permethrin is for the clothes, the D or the repellent is for your skin. We don't want to be spraying our skin with the permethrin, right?
3: That is correct. While there are um, permethrin products that are topically applied for uh, various ailments, they're not what you want to put on your skin. Um, they're, you, you want to make sure that you, uh, and they're not labeled for use on skin for tick control or prevention. You want to make sure that you are sticking with the permethrin for your clothing, uh, either self-applied or, um, or purchased. And then you want to find the, repellent that works best for you and your situation uh in there it's sort of an integrated pest management approach for making sure that we stay tick safe there's not one magic bullet you do a bunch of things that added together are going to do their best job at keeping you and your family tick safe
1: wonderful um i'm just trying to think you you've just been so good and, and knocking all this stuff out the um Some of the other myths that we hear or things that people might just assume would work. So if you're out in the woods, you come in and you throw your clothes in the washer, you're good to go. Right. Because why would a bug be able to make it through the washing machine? But I've heard that actually they have no problem with the water. However, they don't do very well in the heat of the dryer. Is that is that right?
3: The heat of the dryer is the primary reason for killing them. Yes, because you, you can, you basically, you can desiccate them at that point. And so, um, you know, you, you, you're, you're probably best doing the wash and then a thorough dry just to make sure that you have got those, uh, those clothing completely taken care of and you don't have that. And then do a thorough tick check, um, find somebody you trust to give you a hand if you need to. And um. And then make sure that you don't have any uh, stragglers on you that way, too.
1: One thing I noticed this year when I was going up on one of the deer um, after I had shot it was uh, I could see visible ticks on the on the animal. Right. Uh, They've been feeding or one of them was moving around on there. Is there anything special about that that we need to be concerned with whether. The deer has picked up any of the diseases or if the you know any anything along those lines.
3: I would say the primary worry that I would have would be that in the process of me handling and dressing the deer that they would get on me and um, that would be where my predominant worry would be that way, because. Uh, that host is is expired but there's another one right there that if they have not attached and started feeding um that they they might find um you to be uh, a perfectly acceptable uh dessert gotcha Hmm.
1: what else are we missing I'm trying to think they the, the, you no know, deer I think can, we deer can't get Lyme disease right so that's something we don't really
3: You know, it's it's interesting that we're not finding that they're suffering from Lyme disease, although they will be the carriers for it where one tick can pick it up from them through feeding.
1: Okay, Interesting.
3: There's so much more that we need to find out, um, and that is where we're doing our research. Right now at Ohio State, we're doing some work on collecting ticks throughout the state so that we can figure out just how prevalent diseases within ticks where we have the most problems with ticks and um and so we can kind of publish a map that will help us guide our outreach a little bit more accurately uh and and there's new there's new research coming out every day the presentation that I did that you attended that powerpoint's been changed two or three times and that was only about a month and a half ago right oh that's crazy Um,
1: I'm just thinking of all the things going through my head here, the adult ticks, those are very, I don't want to say very easy to see, but they're pretty, pretty prominent. Like you, you, you know what that is when you see it. I had, uh, I saw one last year on one of the guys I was hunting with, I guess it would be the nymph form. Very small. I mean, that thing's like the size of a pin pinhead. That was, those would be easily missed if you weren't really paying attention.
3: Yep. That is um, 100% true. And that's why we talk about the whole sort of personal protection plan that you make. Um, you can't rely only on visual scouting and removal for tick safety. You, you need to do all of the various components of that integrated pest management plan for ticks. Awesome.
1: Well, if there's nothing else, I think that's a pretty good rundown of, uh, you know, get people thinking. Along those lines of safety, when they go out into the woods, um, I'm sure I'll have more questions as soon as we hang up. But uh, we'll we appreciate your time today, Dr. McDermott. Uh, is there a place people can find you or more information if they if they've got questions that you want to steer them towards?
3: Yes. So um, thanks for the opportunity for that. You had mentioned the fact sheet on Ohio Line. Uh, Ohio Line is our online repository for for um, a bunch of different fact and research-based publications. And you can Google OSU, Ohio line and ticks. And there is a fact sheet that we are in the process of updating, which is one that you saw um, regarding the various species we have in Ohio. But it has a great um, breakdown of what we discussed in terms of protection and removal. And then just within the last day or two, um, a fact sheet that my colleague, uh, Risa Pesipanet and I wrote about the asian longhorn tick was added to ohio line so we have a brand new fact sheet as well so both of those are online Uh, you can click on that you can print that and download that um, for no cost and uh, use the recommendations on that to make sure that you keep yourself tick safe when you're heading outside
1: wonderful do you have any social media or anything you want to plug
3: you know, I, I need to get better at that. I'll be super duper honest with you, Andrew. Um, that's one of my goals for 2022.
1: That's all right. If you don't, I don't blame you. So uh, try to do as little of that as possible. But anyways, Dr. McDermott, appreciate it. Uh, take care. Have a uh, Be safe out there with the weather. And, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. You as
3: well, Andrew. It was a pleasure.